0: Okay, <clears throat> well, it's good I'll tell you, I'm not a big fan of Zoom, but I tell you what I do like about it. You see everyone's face, you know sometimes when we're in person, we're all spread out, and you don't see the faces, but and when I put I have a big uh, monitor, and when I put all all the faces up there, beautiful sight, just beautiful. Well, this morning we um, fellowshiped mainly, well, actually entirely on the side of God's need. But the conference has two sections, meeting God's need, number one, and then meeting some of the present needs in the recovery. Of course, not all. We would need many conferences to talk about all the needs but we are talking about some of the very present needs and one of the present needs on our side is the need to develop our faith in the Lord and our love for him and I just like to point out something really obvious now Without the ministry, I don't think we would have identified this as a present need. If I had asked you this morning, what are the present needs in the Lord's recovery? Would you have identified this one as a particularly urgent present need? Well, don't feel bad. I wouldn't have either. This is why we need the ministry to um, enlighten us. But now that I have gotten into it, I think it is certainly a great need. And you could say, well, it's it's so general that it would always be a need. Well, yes and no. I mean, you could, you know, we might've answered, well, we need the growth in life. That's always a need, but this is a more specific to develop our faith and our love and why faith and love and not some other virtues or attributes. Why these two? So I think the outline will help us to answer these questions. But let me just say in the beginning that if we read the New Testament carefully, we will understand that faith and love are nearly always mentioned together. That's striking in and of itself because faith and love are a pair. And we often talk about one or the other, but we don't often connect them the way this outline does. And and we'll see from the verses that are on the outline that the New Testament does connect these two. And they're particularly important because the, as the outline tells us, Faith is for appreciating, substantiating, and receiving the unlimited riches of the triune God. That's where it begins, is this appreciation. But love is needed for the experience, enjoyment, and living out of this immeasurably rich triune God. So these are, I would say it this way, these are central matters, faith and love. These are big, big matters. In other words, we, do you wanna hear a message on the need to develop our, our long suffering and uh, forbearance? Well, it'd be okay. But these are central. These are critical. Okay, I think that gives us enough of an of a, uh, introduction. We can just go right into the outline. And Roman numeral one says, it uses another word. We need to both develop and perfect our faith in the Lord and our love for him. The one whom we have not seen. Okay, we'll get to that. But pay attention to these two words, develop and perfect. You might think they're the same thing. They're not not quite. Uh, This morning, well, I don't know if I mentioned it this morning, but if you look at Song of Songs, there's a development In the love of the Shulamite, it's a development. It starts out in a kind of, well, it it, it starts out in one stage and it ends up in a fourth stage. And even in the human life, we know this, love must develop. Otherwise, there's going to be problems. My dear wife and I are in our 42nd year of marriage. Our relationship is quite different than it was 42 years ago. And and, and it has to be. It has to be. Because love has stages, doesn't it? And I tell you, so does faith. So both faith and love... You have to have a progression. You have to have a development. Then there also needs to be perfecting, which means that's qualitative. Uh, You know, a, a, a new believer's faith is not perfected. You have faith, but it's not perfected faith. A new believer's love is wonderful, but not perfected. Now, the last part is the one we have not seen. We are really odd people, aren't we? We uh, we love a person we've never, ever seen. I don't know if you ever did this, but, you know, I just <laughs> exposed myself. <laughs> you know we in the in the semiannual training we talked about Gideon, and gideon Gideon did not have very much faith at all. you know he had to, he required a lot of proof uh in in the way of miracles and things and one time when I was a new believer i I asked the lord could could you could I just see you once, just once?" I mean, I mean, five seconds. Maybe you never did that. I did. Um, why? Because my my I had faith, but it wasn't developed. I don't need. I don't need any proof today. Do you? I don't. I don't need to see. I don't need to see because I I I possess the reality without having the physical sight, and so do you. So yet to, to the world, this is so mysterious that we we talk about a person who we've never seen. We love a person we've never seen. We We worship a person we've never seen. You know, in the eyes of the world, we're a little bit crazy. You know, we But that's what faith is, isn't it? It's the substantiation of what is not seen. Okay, let's go on. Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love. Into whom, though not seeing him at present, yet believing. Love and faith. We, we, we have faith, we believe, and we have love. And the result of that is we exult with joy that is unspeakable and full of glory. I tell you, if especially like in a uh, Lord's table meeting and the saints are praising and enjoying the Lord. If an unbeliever walked in there and saw exultation with joy, they'd think, what are these crazy people doing? They're sitting around a table and some bread on there, and then they're all crazy, joyous, exulting people. What is it? It's faith and love. Okay, small one, although we have never seen the Lord Jesus we love him at present we cannot see him yet we believe in him you know we'll see him we will we'll, we will see him it's just not in this not at the present time and that's why it says at present we cannot see him we will and you know this think about this transition That occurred at the end of the Gospels, the Lord had been with the disciples for three and a half years physically. Then they could no longer see him physically, but he had breathed himself into them on the evening of the day of his resurrection. So he was with them, but he was invisible. In fact, he was actually in them, but they no longer saw him visibly. So they had to learn how to um, substantiate him and how to experience him invisibly. And I admit it's a learning. They had to learn it and we have to learn it. You know, it's. Tomorrow, we're going to talk very much on prayer, and uh, I'm very burdened for that, partly because I, I gave that message, but also because I'm very burdened for it. And, um, you know, how do we have an intimate conversation and a mutual conversation With a person we can't see or hear. That's a learning. That's a learning. And I have to say. As a young believer. It it was very puzzling to me. I mean I did have a little experience. Like all of us did. And I, I enjoyed calling on the name of the Lord. But this idea of having a mutual, intimate conversation. And I remember telling the Lord, I said, this is why I asked him if I could see him once. (laughs) Because I told him, I said, Lord, this is getting kind of hard. I can't see you. I can't hear you. Uh, How how are we going to communicate? You know, how are we going to interact with each other? Is it going to be a one-way conversation? Many times it is. For many believers, it's one way. I just pray to God who I, you know, believe in, and that's it. Well, this relationship must develop. That's why we need this message before we have the message on prayer. Prayer is not one way. It's two ways. It's an intimate conversation between two people who are very, very intimate with one another. That's prayer. And how do we get there? This is how. Faith and love. Faith and love. Okay, let me go on. It is a wonder and a mystery that the believers love one whom they have not seen. It really is a mystery, isn't it? We love him whom we have not seen because of believing. That is because of the faith that has been infused into us through our hearing of the living word oh, aren't you glad you heard the word? You know, I didn't hear any clear word of the gospel until I was a college student. And my whole life, nobody preached the gospel to me until I reached college. And when I first heard the gospel, I rejected it like most people because what i in fact, what I told the brothers who preached the gospel to me is I said that's too easy. something's wrong with your story. you can't get eternal life by calling on the name of the lord that's i it, it's it it it's no cost for something very valuable so i said that 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 can't be right but then what happened is I heard the word a second time. And and actually, even the well, let me just tell you a little story here, and then we'll get on with it. The first time the brothers preached the gospel to me, I told them, I said, No, I'm sorry, that that that, that that's not for me. And um, and then I told them rather rudely. I said, you know, there's a lot of people on this campus. Somebody wants to listen to you, but I don't. So just go find someone else to talk to and leave me alone. I said, I didn't ask you to come talk to me. I said, Look, there's thousands of them. Go get someone else. And this brother, Jim knows this brother. The, this brother, he 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 did a couple of things that really bothered me. The first thing he did is he he leaned way in, got like right in front of my face and he said, "Okay. He said, "We're going to leave. But I have to tell you one thing before we leave." I said, "Make it quick. I'm running out of patience." And you know what he you know what he said to me? He quotes to me a verse from Isaiah 55 and he says, The Bible says that God's word does not return to him void. I'm an unbeliever. I'm like, so? And he says, that means you will never forget this day the rest of your life. I was like, yeah, sure. Get out of here. It's true, I never could forget it. I tried to forget it. I tried hard to forget it. But the word got into me. It wasn't even the gospel. It was Isaiah 55. It got into me and I couldn't get rid of it. And I found myself thinking about it, even though I didn't want to. Well, then the second time I heard the word, was through a coworker where I was working and um, because I was working while I was in school and um, this time I was ready. And, you know, I got, it's like, I got the, listen, I got the booster shot of faith. See, I got the initial vaccine on the campus, but then I got the booster I got the booster at my job. And that second shot, whoa, I'll never forget. It's like one minute, I'm an unbeliever. The next minute, I believe. I believe. It was instantaneous. I was shocked. I was like, that was quick. Well, Faith comes from the Word, and we have to speak the Word to others. We have to speak the Word to ourselves. We need to read the Word. We need to get the Word into us, and this develops the faith in us. It increases the faith in us. It perfects the faith in us. It's from the Word. So, dear saints, we need to, old or young, we need to, in order to develop our faith, we need to develop our pursuit of God's word. They go hand in hand. You you won't develop your faith just by asking for your faith to be developed. You'll develop your faith by more of the word. And, you know the word is powerful a little bit of it goes a long way it's um you know some some i like to read so i read a lot not everybody reads a lot and that's okay the important thing is every day we take in the word to some extent really to to the extent of your appetite, and this, without you doing anything else, this will develop the faith that is in you. I assure you, it will. Um, That's been my experience. Okay, I go on. Oh, faith comes through hearing. This is Galatians 3.2. Isn't that great? See, this is one of the problems I had as an unbeliever. It's like, it can't be that easy. Faith, you hear something and you get faith? Yep. Yep. Absolutely true. And it's still true today. And we still need faith today. Yes, we're believers. But we're not fully matured believers. And our faith has not... Fully developed. So we still need the word. Okay, then number two, the believers exult with joy that is unspeakable and full of glory. What utterance? Man, that fisherman, Peter, had some good utterance here. Joy that is unspeakable and joy that is full of glory. So we exult with a joy that is immersed in glory. This joy is immersed in the Lord as glory. Thus, it is the expression of the Lord. You know, it, it we do have such a, um, an understanding through the ministry that glory refers to the expression of God, I don't think, excuse me, I don't think many Bible readers or expositors understand that as the meaning of glory. And um, a number of years ago, I, I asked myself, how can we say that? How can we say that glory is the expression of God? Is there a verse? Well, there really isn't. It's, you have to study the Bible in a comprehensive way and in a thorough way. And then you can get the picture. But I will tell you this, you know, glory is one of the primary attributes of the life of God. You get glory when you get God's life. It's one of the attributes of his life. And in John 17, the Lord in his prayer to the Father, he said, the glory which you have given to me, I gave to them. Well, when did he give us glory? When he regenerated us, when he gave us his life. The glory came into us. You know what else came into us? Sonship. You know, glory is the expression, the son expressing the father. Glory is related to this sonship. And just as the Lord, as the firstborn son of God, expressed the father through his God-man living, he gave us the ability to express God because he gave us God's life. When you have God's life and this attribute of glory, you express the Father. Uh, behind me, I'm not going to show you, I'm in my study. Behind me, I have a picture of my father when he was a middle aged man. And if I showed you that picture, you would, you would. You would for sure say that's a picture of Brother Mark. You would. It looks like me. Now, I never did anything to look like this. Who would? Nobody wants to look like this. I, I didn't do anything. I got this image from when I got born. It came in the DNA of my father. <laughs> I'm the expression of my father. I'm the duplication and the reproduction of him. So I express him. This is the thought here about glory. So this glory, which we got when we exult with joy, God is expressed. God is expressed. Okay, let's move on. Here's a very crucial verse talking about the relationship between faith and love. You know, these things are hard to define and explain, but Galatians 5, 6 says, faith avails, operating through love. So, The keeping of the law doesn't avail. Faith avails. But faith, it tells us, Paul tells us, faith operates through love. Think about it. See, these two things, they have to be together. You can't separate them. You can't say faith is one thing, love is another thing. No, faith and love they're like um, interlocking gears in a in a machine when one moves the other one moves and 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 it has to be this way so if you and why is that even important because our understanding of this is important so that in our pursuit of the Lord and in our experience of him we don't Try to go get one or the other. It doesn't work that way. They work together. Okay, small one. Living faith is active. It operates through love. So faith does something in us, and, and it does it through love. Faith receives the spirit of life. That's what the function of faith is, is to receive the spirit of life. Thus, it is full of power. Maybe we've never even thought of faith in this way. Faith has power. Faith operates through love to fulfill God's purpose. That is to complete, here's the word, the sonship. The sonship of God for His corporate expression. Well, I know this is—it's uh, not a simple matter. I can't give you, and we don't have time to 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 get into a lot of detail. I encourage you think about it. Read these verses. It's it's quite marvelous the way faith and love intertwine and interact. And then small four, love is related to our appreciation of Christ. Of course it is. Of course it is. You don't love something something, or someone that you don't appreciate. And where does the appreciation come from? Faith. So faith gives us the appreciation. And Then when we have the appreciation, we have love. So faith is operating through love. Without such an appreciation, faith cannot operate. The hearing of faith awakens our loving appreciation. Isn't that true? I, I, you know. by the lord's mercy we're under this ministry one of the characteristics or i would say one of the proofs of this ministry is when you're under it you just love the lord more i mean i can't tell you i i know you're just the same as me when we have when we have these conferences and trainings i i just my appreciation of the Lord just goes up, and then my, my love goes up, and then my experience goes up. The more we love the Lord, the more faith operates to bring us into the riches of the all-inclusive spirit. Okay, I'm sorry I have to move on. That's, that's not an easy point. Now, here's another verse, a key verse that puts together love and faith, Ephesians 6.23. Peace to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, this is like you might say to me, well, there are some verses that only talk about faith and not love. And there are some verses which talk about love and not faith. That's true. But that's like saying there's verses that mention the Father and the Son, but not the Spirit. Well, sure there are. But that doesn't negate the truth of the Triune God. And simply because there are verses which mention faith apart from love or love apart from faith does not negate the truth, that they operate together. And that's why so many verses do put them together, including Ephesians 6.23. So here it says, love with faith is the means by which we partake of and experience Christ. We need faith as a match And support for our love. That's just how this mysterious operation works within us. Okay, let's go on. Roman numeral two says, looking away unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So now we have the thought of faith being perfected. Of course, it has an author. It has a source. That's the Lord himself. We have the faith of Christ, and we have the faith in Christ. And he's both the source and the perfecter. A says faith and love are two inseparable, excellent virtues Of the believers in Christ. So I think you're. Picking up. I hope you're picking up. The main thought in this outline. Which is. Faith and love go together. They're a pair. They're inseparable. And we don't. Care for that merely because it's the correct teaching. We care for it because it leads us into. a a, a real experience of Christ. Through faith, we receive the Lord, and through love, we enjoy the Lord whom we have received. By faith, we receive the Lord, which pleases God. By love, we enjoy the Lord and thereby keep his word that's John 14:23 so faith is for receiving but love is for experiencing and enjoying there's a difference isn't there if i want to give you if i want to give you a bible i say would you like would you like this bible you say, yeah, I would. I say, do you love it? He said, I love it. I say, well, you just use your heart and take it. He said, I can't take it with my heart. I gotta use my hand. I said, no, take it with your heart. You can't do it. So you gotta use your hand to take this. Now you possess it. And now you can enjoy it. This is the thought here. Faith is to. To receive. Then, once we receive it, we possess it as a reality. And then we enjoy it. We experience it. Okay. Good. Uh, Three. By faith, we receive and enjoy the divine life that is revealed and ministered to us in the Gospel of John. By love... We love the Lord and those who belong to him. Well, this small subpoint actually uses many verses from the Gospel of John to just illustrate this principle that we're talking about. Now, B, B is on faith, and subpoint C is on love. So, uh, just So, you know, so B is B is faith. And what is faith for? I like these words. I spoke them in the introduction. Faith is for appreciating, substantiating and receiving the unlimited riches of the triune God. Those are three important verbs there appreciate, substantiate, and receive, that's what the function of faith is. Faith is given to us by God so that by it we may receive Christ, the embodiment of the triune God, and thereby enter into the triune God and be joined to him as one, having him as our life, life supply, and everything. Well, it's a long sentence, but again, the main the main word there is receive, receive. Faith is for receiving. Number two, by faith in the Lord, we receive something else. We receive the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. Hallelujah. Three, when we believe in the Lord... We believe into him. And I think you know this, but I, I'll i tell you anyway. Many, many verses, including John 3.15, which is often quoted. Most versions, English versions uh, of the Bible, translate. To believe in him. But if you read the recovery version. Let me just read it to you. Since we're talking about it. I'll I'll give you a quick injection here of faith. From the word of God. It says that. Everyone who believes into him. May have eternal life. And then John 3.16, that everyone who believes into him would not perish, but would have eternal life. The verse, the end zone verse, John 3.16. You know, if I ever, I'm not going to do it, but if I ever went to a football game, I would hold up um, a verse from John 17. Instead of John chapter three, that's what I would do. Or I might, I might hold up John 15. I am the vine. You are the branches, but don't worry. I'm not going to any football games. Well, in these two verses, John three, 15 and 16, which are very, very, very common verses, the Greek preposition there is not in it's into and why would and believe me in in the greek language it it's they're very distinctive you you they're not interchangeable so why do most versions mistranslate that greek word because they don't understand that faith is into Christ it's not just in Christ objectively I believe in Christ No, I believe in George Washington but I don't believe into George Washington I not only believe in Christ I believe into Christ and again I say we only care for this not not because we're technicians and we've We want to make sure that, you know, we have the best translation. No, we care for it because that realization makes a huge difference in our experience. We believe into him by believing into him. And by the way, we're also baptized into him. So believing is into him. Baptism is into him. This step of believing and being baptized results in an organic union between him and us. He's not just the object of our faith, like, you know, I believe in these principles. No. Faith puts us into the triune God. That's what Matthew twenty-eight nineteen tells us. Okay, let's move on. By believing into him, we enter into him to be one with him, to partake of him, and to participate in all that he has accomplished for us. By believing into him, we are identified with him in all that he is and in all that he has passed through, accomplished, attained, and obtained. Isn't that wonderful? You know, the shallow understanding of faith is, it's, it's it's a belief. I believe that God exists. I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. I believe that he died for my sins. I believed all that stuff before I got regenerated. Faith is not a system of belief or a set of beliefs. Faith is what puts us into this wonderful organic union with this person. Then we can experience him by loving him. So point C talks about love. Love is for experiencing, enjoying, and living out the immeasurably rich triune God. Then the sub points, love issues out of faith. See, faith comes first. I never loved the Lord until I got faith. As soon as I got faith, I started loving the Lord immediately. I mean, like immediately. It's so real to me because it was so it was so sudden. Love issues out of faith and enables us to live out all the riches of the triune God in Christ with those who have believed into Christ with us in order that the triune God may have a glorious corporate expression. Love is for the believers to, here's another function of love. This one you may not be as familiar with. Love is for the believers to minister and transmit the triune God to their fellow believers. Did you know that? Love is not simply love for the Lord, is it? It's love for the saints. It's love for the believers. So that all the believers may love one another with divine transcendent love and live a corporate life in Christ. So not only does our faith cause us to love the Lord, it causes us to love the believers, doesn't it? And that's another thing I noticed when I got regenerated. You know, I I was not a very nice unbeliever I'm not a very nice believer either, but I was definitely not a very nice unbeliever. I was one of those people that mocked christians i said I, yeah, those people need religion because they're weak and you know I mocked them and then Bob, you'll remember this one back this was in the early seventies and I was in Southern California, and in those days, it was very, very, very common for people to put bumper stickers on their car, and, you know, the believers would put a bumper sticker on their car that, you know, identified them as a believer, and the day before I got saved, I would see those bumper stickers, and I'd say, the... Yeah, you know, that car. But then the very next day, after I got saved, I'm driving down the street, and I, I see a car with a bumper sticker talking about Jesus. And I was like, hey, hey, it's my brother. It happened. It's like we know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. That's where to it come from? Faith. Faith is the source of that love. Now, love for the Lord must be absolute. And the picture of this, of course, the Lord's love for the church is a picture of it. But the marriage life is also a picture of it. If I say to my wife, "Dear, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you a majority of my love. I'll give you fifty-one percent. You, you, you got the majority of it." She's not going to be happy. In fact, if I say, "Okay, let's up it to 75. that's no, no. I said, "All right, ninety then." A hundred. It's got to be a hundred, doesn't it? And this is the way our love for the Lord is, and this is why He gives us a commandment. It's a commandment to love Him in an absolute way with our entire being. Wow, you might say, "Well, that's too much." No, it's not. It just like it's not too much for a husband and wife. To give 100% of their human love in marriage to one another. No, it it has to be that way. It should be that way. It must be that way. Okay, let me go on. To, To give the Lord the first place in all things is to love him with the first love, the best love. And this is based on Revelation uh, 2.4 and Colossians 1.18. Um, the first love doesn't mean first in time. It means first in priority. There's a big difference. If you, the first love, some people understand that, As, oh, you're supposed to love the Lord with the same kind of love that you had in the beginning of your Christian life. No, you're not. Your your faith, your love has to develop. You don't go back to the love that you had before. You go to develop that love. And this first means first place, first in priority. So, that means we choose him. When the choices come, we choose him. Let me say a word that I often share with the working saints. And um, that's Matthew six, thirty-three. It says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things will be added to you. And what, what is the point? The point is the kingdom of God is the church. His righteousness is Christ. We have to seek first Christ and the church, not the other things. Not the other things. And what are the other things? Let's keep it simple. there's three very important things that we need to prioritize in our life of course there's many others but I just want to talk about three one is we need to prioritize uh, our job. I don't say career because our career is Christ in the church. I say a job well where does where does it fit? And our family, our marriage and our family, where does that fit? And Christ and the church. So what's the proper priority for these three? And all of us have to work this out in our life. It's easy for us to say, oh, I love Christ and the church. Well, that love is proven by what we prioritize. It's just that simple. And We can kid ourselves. We really can. And I know saints, and forgive me if I'm harsh, I know saints who put their family above Christ and the church. And I know others who put their job above Christ and the church. I would like to suggest to you that the proper priority is Christ and the church, first and foremost. Now, Matthew 6.33 does not say seek only. It says seek first. So, you know, we have to take care of our family. We have to take care of our job, but they can't be first. That's the point. Christ and the church have to be first. Then I would suggest that your marriage and family should be second. And I would suggest that your job should be a very distant third. You can get another job. You can't get another wife. You can't get another family. You can get another job anytime you need to. You were looking for a job when you found that one. Jobs are not the main thing. And I'm very concerned for some of our Younger Saints, that the job has taken on like too much significance. I'll tell you a quick story. I worked, I come from a large family, and my father died very young. So I had to work all the way through high school and college. And I was working in college and my dear brother Jim Clark was one of my classmates, and I had a job nearby, and the semiannual training was coming up, and um, I, I went to my boss and I said, "Hey, I'm gonna, you know, I'm an I'm an accountant, so the end of the year is a busy time if you're an accountant." I should say, I was an accountant. I'm not anymore. <laughs> so I went to my boss. I said, I, I need uh, two weeks off. And those days, the training was 10 days long. He says, you can't have 10 days off at the end of the year. That's our busiest time. I said, no problem. I quit. And I went to the training. It's a job. What's more important? The semi training or a part-time job? Forget the job. I went to the training and I quit several jobs during the time that I was working. And you know why I quit them? They didn't give me the adequate time to take care of the first two priorities. I don't want a job. I don't care if you pay me a million dollars a year. I don't want a job that doesn't allow me to go to the meetings, that doesn't allow me to open my home, that doesn't allow me to serve the Lord. You can have that job. I don't want it. And I also don't want a job that consumes me so much that I don't take proper care of my wife and my kids. Well, anyway, my point is, saints, if we say we love him, we will give him the first place. And I love John's utterance in First John. Have you noticed how many times in First John he uses these words? If we say. If we say we walk in the light. If we say we love the brothers. If we say, okay. Then if we say it, there will be some proof. And the proof of our love is that the Lord has the first place. That's the proof. Okay, let's move on. Oh, gosh, I love this. This is a quote from a footnote. Best definition of love you'll ever read in your entire life. I guarantee you. If you find a better one, please send it to me. But I don't think you'll find it. It says to love God means to set our entire being, spirit, soul, and body, with the heart, the soul, the mind, and the strength absolutely on Him. That's the verse we referred to earlier about loving the Lord absolutely. That is to let our entire being be occupied by Him and lost in him, so that he becomes everything to us, and we are one with him practically in our daily life. How about that? So sub point five is the explanation of sub point three. To love the Lord absolutely, this is what it looks like. Oh, I, I just like that. That's that's lovely. Okay, let's uh, move on to The last Roman numeral, we're doing okay on time. A precious verse, Romans 5. It says, the love of God has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Again, you have the same thought. When you received the Spirit in regeneration, You also received this virtue of love, just like you received the virtue of glory, as we illustrated earlier. You you also got love, because what is love in the end? It's the spirit. The spirit is the reality of this love. When you get the spirit, you get God with his attributes and love god is love so this is a big one god has poured out his love in our hearts with the holy spirit who has been given to us as the motivating power within us that we may more than conquer in our tribulations i think you all know this verse romans 837 or excuse me, 839, it says, we more than conquer through him who loves us. And, of course, the second half of Romans, it lists, and I don't want to take the time to read it, it lists many things, tribulations, distress, sword. Uh, It said none of these things will be able to separate us, From the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. But then it goes on to say, in all these things, we more than conquer. I just point out a couple things here. It doesn't mean that we get out of all of those things. No, we're still in them, we're in tribulation, we're in distress. And while we're in it, we more than conquer. Our concept might be, I'll get delivered out of tribulation. No, no. You stay in the tribulation, and in the tribulation, your love, experience, and enjoyment of the Lord causes you to barely make it. No. No. If you're barely making it, something's wrong. No, you're transcendent. You more than overcome. Now, in the English language, that's three words, more than conquer. In Greek, it's one word. And if you translated it literally, it would give us a word that we don't have in English. It would say we super overcome. I kind of like that translation. We have to invent a new word because that's the Greek word. The first part is hyper or super and then overcome, which I think that's significant. Why? Because we are in tribulation. We are in distress. And overcoming doesn't mean we make it through, or we barely make it through. No, overcoming means we can be in distress and be transcendent. Look at the world today. It's crazy. It's always been crazy. But it's intensively crazy right now. And people are at their wits end. They're so worried about Oh, yeah, yeah, the pandemic and financial crisis and the supply chain is broken and the stock market and my my retirement. And. This could be part of our gospel in these last days. I'm not worried about any of that, are you? I'm not. I I don't I don't really don't even think about it. I got so much. Positive things that, and besides, I already know the solution. You know what the solution will be? By the way, saints, the solution isn't going to be a different politician in office. I don't care if you like the guy, you don't like the guy. It doesn't even matter. If politics were the solution, we would, we would have had the solution a long time ago. How about social reform? Let's pass some new laws. If passing laws was the solution, it would have already happened. So, well, let's protest. Even dumber. Protests don't do anything. If you care, and I do care, I care about racial inequality. I care about social injustice. I care about all of those matters. What's the best thing you could do if you care about those things? Live an overcoming life so that the kingdom can come. There won't be righteousness in this age. There won't be. We know the Bible. It doesn't get more righteous at the end. It gets less righteous. The Bible ends with, let him who is unrighteous be unrighteous still. It's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. So we have the real solution. The real solution is the kingdom. And this is part of our gospel today. Because people are spinning their wheels and they get all worked up over politics and this policy and that policy and Congress and the laws. And don't waste your time. That you're not going to, and, and for goodness sakes, don't run for office. It's the dumbest thing you could do. Uh, I can't run for president because I already have a position that's much higher than the president. Why would I take that job? That's way too low for me. And it's too low for you. And and you can't do anything. But I can do something, and so can you. You can live an overcoming life so that the Lord can bring in his kingdom with the new heaven and the new earth. With righteousness. Ah, the world is longing for it, and we know how to get it. Okay, let's move on. I'm almost done here. The love of God is God. In a sense, you could say that about every attribute of God, but the Bible doesn't say it about every attribute, does it? It says God is spirit. God is love, God is light, but it doesn't say God is his other attributes. But these three, they describe the very inner being of God himself. God as love is the divine essence that has been poured out in our hearts Because we have been regenerated, we have love as the nature of God's essence within us. As believers, deep in our hearts, we have something of the divine essence. And this is God the Father in his love. You know, if you read Matthew 5.48, the conclusion of Matthew 5 says, You shall be perfect, even as your heavenly Father is perfect. Is that a command or is it a promise? I say it's a promise because you have to read the context. It's talking about the Father's love and how he loves the righteous and and the unrighteous, how he causes the sun to shine on the good and the evil. And then, and then it contrasts and say, if you only love your friends and not your enemies, you're, you're the same as everybody else. You're not the same as God. But then it concludes with, you will be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Meaning, you'll love unconditionally and without preference the way God does. Now, all of us know. Our human love is not unconditional, and it is preferential, but God's love is not. And now that we have God, we have his love. So we have the ability to love in the way that he loves. Because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts, the heart of every believer in Christ is a heart of love. Hallelujah. It's in us. It's in us, but it's in us in a mysterious way. You know, we still have the human love, don't we? And we have the divine love. So how does this work? Well, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, it says God has not given us a spirit of cowardice, but of power, and of love, and of sober-mindedness. Now, power is related to the will. Sober-mindedness is related to the mind. Love is related to the emotions. But That's the soul. (coughs) But Paul says, God gave us a spirit of power and of love, and of sober-mindedness. Well, let me keep it simple. The natural human love that we all have, the source of that love, is our human emotion. The divine love of God that we received in regeneration, the source of that is not our emotion. It, It might get expressed through our emotion. But its source is our spirit. We know the difference. We know the difference. Oh, I I left out when I talked about unconditional and preferential, I left out the big one. His love is unlimited. Ours is very, very limited. Very limited. We all know this. And but his doesn't run out. There is no end to it. That means in our spirit is an endless supply of love for the Lord, for the saints, and for all mankind. It's in us. We have to tap into that source and not the human emotions. In our experience and enjoyment of God as the Father in his love, we experience and enjoy the dispensing of love as the nature of God's essence into our hearts. Well, it's just like faith. I said, you know, every day we need the word so that our faith can be developed. Well, every day we also need To exercise our spirit of love, to love the Lord, to enjoy him, so that that will also be developed in our Christian life. And if our faith and love are developed and perfected, we will live an overcoming life. Don't Don't be intimidated by this word overcoming we yes it's true that not a huge number of people among God's people will overcome in this age yes that's true but we we have the life that overcomes you know that's brother nee wrote a book the title is the overcoming life not the overcoming christian It's not you who overcomes. We have an overcoming life in us. And these two points of faith and love are a big part of that overcoming life. So rather than struggling in ourselves to overcome, let's develop our faith and our love. We'll get a better result, I assure you. Okay, I think I've spoken long enough. The brothers will tell us what we should do next.